Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and we're going to keep rolling here with our Executive Decision Series. We've been joined by Salim Sertawala, Elias Schuster. Today we have Edward Schuler on, co-host of the Bulls Gold Podcast, to play the role of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. Let's not waste any time. Let's bring Edward in right now. Edward, welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. How you doing? Yay, I'm great, man. How about you? Long time no chat, man. I know, man. It's It's been a year-ish, I think, since we talked, and a lot's changed, man. So, <laughs> I think the last time we talked was when um, we were still trying to figure out if Gar and Paxton were still going to lose their jobs, and we were thinking about uh, replacements and right. who they might get, and if that organization organizational overhaul was actually a real thing. And, it, yeah, it turned out to, uh, it was, and it came to fruition, so... Yeah, and we had this little thing called the global pandemic, too, in, in the middle of that. that. <laughs> so, a lot's changed in the world. A lot's changed with the Bulls. And we got a crucial offseason coming up. And I'm glad you're going to be a part of this executive decision series. But before I get to that, I've had Saliman, your co-host from Bulls Gold. He's been on the podcast like six or seven times. This is your second. So I feel like I need to do a better job of tilting the scales a little bit more in your favor. No, nah, man, Salim is Salim is really knowledgeable, man. Shout out to uh, Salim. And uh, yeah, I got some catching up to do, man, to get the seven, six. <laughs> so Salim kicked off the Executive Decisions series. And of course, just to reset with our listeners here, uh, in this series, our guests come on and they play the role of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley and deliver a plan to get the Chicago Bulls back into the playoff picture in 2022 and get this team into a form of title contention or somewhere in the top tier of the Eastern Conference entering the 2023 season. So, Edward, are you are you ready to play the role of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley? I'm ready. I hope, uh, I hope I don't get fired by the end of the episode, but I'm ready <laughs> as I can be. <laughs> If I'm playing the role of Jerry or Michael Reinsdorf, I have a lot of patience, so you don't have to worry. Okay, you, you have loyalty to me, and at worst, you can just reassign me to the White Sox, and I can be a scout there or something. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> All right, so let me kick this off by asking you the question I ask every guest. So as you look at the roster, what do you think are the biggest needs for the Chicago Bulls this offseason? I think point guard is by far the biggest need. The Bulls are in a tough place right now because – this free agent class isn't particularly strong on point guards and the best ones are on the older side and the ones on the younger side, you have to pay a lot to get. And those, those players come with a little bit more uh, question marks. So point guard to me is the biggest hole. You need someone who can run an offense. You need someone who can score and that would tie a lot of things together. And I think a lot of fans right now are pointing to, a point guard obviously you're not going to get well Chris Paul is a free agent but uh you want someone who can give you a impact that I mean if you got someone that could give you like 60 or 70 percent of the impact that Chris Paul gave Phoenix I think you would be happy right so you need someone who can be an impact player for that team uh for the Bulls uh I would say the next need would be a small forward I I think you do need a two-way guy and I say small forward because I I think Patrick Williams is going to play the four long term and 
even though I think he can be interchangeable at the 3-4, I think you need another guy there. Like, you, you look at what they did this year. Garrett Temple started at 3. He was a 3 and D guy. I think you would like to get someone who can maybe be a little bit uh, younger than Garrett Temple, maybe more athletic, can bring some of those same traits. I don't know if he'll necessarily get that in this offseason, but I, I would say that small forward is still a uh, a hole for this team right now. All right, so very interesting. There's a common theme with each of our guests, so I, <laughs> I maybe we should switch up this question. But I think, you know, it, it's just that's the state of this team right now, and I think it was very evident throughout the 2021 season there was a lack of a facilitating point guard or a true leader at point guard. Um, and that's not knocking Kobe White. I think Kobe White, you know, he's a solid player for what he is, and I think that's a, a score-first combo guard. But there definitely is that need for a point guard. And you brought up Chris Paul. If you want an example of what a true leader at point guard can do, look at the Phoenix Suns. They're now in the Western Conference Finals, so a point guard does really matter. In the playoffs especially, because in the playoffs, everybody knows everyone's plays, right? So you need a guy, not only do you need players who can score off the bounce, but you need guys who just can create for others, who can play, make, who can run that offense consistently, and who can just kind of neutralize the fact that other teams know your playbook. So you see what Chris Paul does for Phoenix in that he can go out and get 20 in a game, and he can go out and get 15 assists or 10 assists in a game too. So he he has that dual uh, shooting and pass threatening. He's one of the best the game has ever seen in that department. So obviously Chris Paul is a free agent and he's probably, I think, unrealistic because Phoenix on the run that they're having right now is going to do everything they can to retain him. So I don't think you're going to get someone who has that impact, unfortunately. But if you could get someone who could give you like, again, 65 70% yeah. of that Chris Paul impact. I think you would consider that a win. Whether yeah, that's exist or not is another thing. I don't know. I'll take Cliff Paul at this point because honestly, the <laughs> he's made <laughs> <Well, laughs> and you know, here's the thing with Cliff Paul. I mean, you also get good insurance discounts, so you get it's both. He's um, really good with families, and the Bulls are a very family friendly organization, so. There you go. Um, the other the other position, of course, you brought up there is small forward, and it relates to what the Bulls are going to do with Patrick Williams. I listened to your episode that you and Salim had with Rob Schaefer, and, and that was kicked around a lot about what Patrick Williams is. And I 100% agreed with you guys. I think he is better suited to play the four in this, in this league. And you could see he's more comfortable defensively there. So uh, it would be nice if they can find somebody like you said, who is a maybe younger, more productive version of Garrett Temple. I will get into those options with you in a little bit, but to keep it rolling, I'm going to get to my next question here because a big portion of this off season, I think you're going to have the looming storyline and it could linger into the regular season about Zach Levine and his contract situation to give a little color to our listeners here. Zach Levine has a year left on his contract. Now, if he signs an extension, you can get him at a little bit of a cheaper price. For Zach's sake, I mean, I understand why he might want to hold out until next year because of his bird rights. He makes a little more money. He can evaluate the situation the Bulls have next offseason. So it would probably be advantageous for him to wait. But if you were in Arturis Karnaschovas' shoes, how would you try to sell him on the idea of signing an extension early? And if he doesn't sign an extension early... 
how does that affect your offseason plan or approach? Ooh, this one, this one was tough. Uh, first, I do think that the Bulls are all in on Zach Levine at this point because if there was ever a time to trade him, it was this past season because he has played the best ball of his career and he had he was on the uh, salary this year, this past season, and then he had another one left. So, to me, if you were if you were planning on selling high that window is gone. I don't think you get the same value on a player uh, with an expiring contract. So the Bulls are all in on Zach Levine. As far as what he is going to do with the, or what how the team can approach the uh, contract situation, I, I don't think you can sell him <laughs> on taking that deal. Uh, it, it's just, he he's going to make more money in free agency. Of course you have to offer him, the deal because you can't leave any stone unturned so you offer it to him because that's you know what you're paid to do and zach is going to decline it and some bulls fans are going to freak out and like oh maybe he doesn't want to be he is going to take a max contract in 2022 and it will probably be from the bulls barring something crazy so i i think at this point you just kind of you're you're all in on that i think the bulls know that they have to pay zach the max and they're fine with that you know had guard pack still been around and had there been a lot of drama uncertainty jim boylan's still the head coach they're still fledgling they haven't really added to the roster i think there would be a good chance that he could walk after that final year but i think there's a really really good chance to your point that with the opportunity to make the most amount of money if he stays with the Bulls, I think he will take that contract. Because also, if he doesn't like the situation going forward, you know, let's say two years after he signs that extension, I mean, he can force his way out. It's very easy to do that in the NBA if you're not happy. Yeah, it, that's and that's kind of uh, going back many years ago. That's kind of what Carmelo Anthony was that's that was his approach in free agency when he was thinking about the Knicks and the Bulls and he stayed with the Knicks and he was like, eh, might as well get my money now. And if I want to leave later, I can demand the trade. So you kind of get you kind of get both you know sides of the coin there. So it, for Zach, it, it just makes sense to wait until uh, 2022, get the most money I can. And then, you know, I'll figure out there. But I, I think you made a good point that. The. Zach Levine probably did not trust Gar and Pax that much. It seems like he's good with Karnishevis and Eversley right now. seems like communication is solid. It seems like they are both working together and they are taking in his, uh, his opinion, his, uh, his thoughts on the team. And it seems like they value him. So if both sides are all in, I I think they know where this is headed. And I'm sure they've already had that conversation, but you you have you're, you're they're gonna offer him that uh what is it for uh the what's the what's the deal they can offer him uh this upcoming off season it's four years is it a hundred and four or hundred and it's something along those lines like it's really i always have to do a full-blown like research project on it because i think it's there's levels of time accrued versus where your status is i think in terms of like all-star and uh, first and second team, right? Like there's different types of kickers that do that for your contract, right? Yeah. So, okay. So uh, shout out to, uh, shout out to Ryan Bora. Uh, he's uh, great. Yeah. He's fantastic. So uh pulled it up four years. 104.8 million is the most that they can offer to him. 
uh, this offseason if they want to renegotiate um, his deal. So he's going to turn that down because mm-hmm. he a lot more in free agency in 2022. Absolutely. I want to move this along to the draft. So this is going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And we're, you know, as we're recording this, we're recording this on Monday, June 14th. So we're a little over a week, about a week and a day until the draft lottery. And I I want to lay out three scenarios for you because we, of course, know that after the Nikola Vucevic trade, the Orlando Magic have that pick unless it falls in the top four, then it goes back to the Chicago Bulls. So I'm going to lay out three draft night scenarios for you, okay? And you tell me what, what you would do. If the Bulls get the number one pick, are you picking Cade Cunningham or are you picking someone else? I'm picking Cade without even thinking about it. <laughs> That's easy. I, I pick Cade, I figure out what I'm eating for dinner, and then I go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was interesting. On last episode, I had Elias Schuster on from Bleacher Nation Bulls, and I know he's a big Jalen Suggs fan. So I, I had to ask that question as a follow-up, and I, I figured I'll, I'll throw this out as a potential scenario because you never know. Someone might have a different opinion of what the Bulls need. It's like this. Think about it like this. Kay Cunningham, basically, if you get the number one pick, your offseason changes, your offseason approach changes dramatically. Because not only is Kay Cunningham a scorer, but he is also a point forward. So now all of a sudden you have a player in Kay Cunningham who can run an offense, who can create for others and get his own. You pair that next to Zach Levine. Do you really need a traditional point guard anymore? I don't think you do. I think you could get away with a Kobe White type of player at point guard, not necessarily mm. Kobe White, but if you put a Kobe White type of player at point guard, a guy who can stretch the floor, who can you know hit that shot, who can play make a little bit for himself, like kind of like what Reggie Jackson has been doing for the Clippers in the playoffs. You could get away with that type of point guard, that off-ball uh, shooting type of point guard, and you would have a really good team. Like you'd have... Mm-hmm lead playmakers you'd have a big and vooch who can get his own and then you'd have two guys in if you could get a you know whoever you get a point guard and then patrick williams guys who can play well i think without the ball and can create value without the ball it, it really changes what you can do in the offseason so it's it's absolutely the a, a very rosy scenario and I, I i was telling Celine this on on our show that Right now, I am. I have no expectations or anything for the draft lottery, and I'm not rooting for anything because I am draft lotteried out of all these <laughs> past, like three or four years of yeah. tanking and hoping for it. So it, it is what it is. But if that happens, if the Bulls do get lucky and get the number one pick, Kate is the guy for me. Hmm. The scenario that you set up there with Cade Cunningham taking that role of a facilitating point forward, if you have him, Levine, Kobe White, Patrick Williams, Vucevic, that's a pretty solid starting five. And I I know I'm kind of moving a little ahead, and we could talk more about this later. Imagine if you then could conduct a sign-and-trade where Laurie can go to his desired destination of a place like Dallas, and you could get a Jalen Brunson in return and beef up your bench with a really good point guard, or... Somebody you can add to the starting lineup if you want to throw Kobe to the to the bench. That's not too bad. That would be a pretty damn good offseason, in my opinion. I think so too. I think I think winning the draft lottery and not only 
to me, if you get Suggs or Cunningham, I think it changes your offseason dramatically. And it gives you more flexibility on what you can do with other players. Because right now, we're all discussing, okay, how do we get a point guard? Uh, we If we're going to stay over a cap, maybe we can sign and trade Lowry Markkinen for Lonzo Ball. Maybe maybe they'll go for that. Like, we're we're hoping that we can squarely trade Lowry Markkinen and get a good point guard. Because we're not going to have the cap space to do it if we go under the cap because we'll Mm -hmm. lose too many pieces to do it. So that's what we're specifically hoping for. But if you get Cunningham or you get Suggs, all of a sudden it's, oh, well, I could trade Lowry and just get, I don't have to necessarily get a point guard. I could get a, uh, get a backup shooting guard. I I could get shooting guard. I could do something else. Like you can do a whole lot more. So uh, I definitely think those two specifically can change the way you approach things. Oh, for sure. And I mean, to your point, you could even look to find more more guys to space the floor. If you want to start adding more, you brought up the whole idea of 3 and D. You can start adding a lot more productive 3 and D role players without having to, to go severely over the cap. You can actually do some of that and then continue to add up to other places. I want to throw another scenario to you. If the Bulls end up anywhere from 2 to 4, now what would you do with this pick? This is a little tricky because there's Stepien rule prevents you from trading consecutive picks and depending on where the pick falls that kind of changes things in terms of if the Bulls keep that pick so in this scenario I'm going to paint it as you're picking on behalf of another team and trading the rights to that player a little later in the offseason would you consider in this scenario trading that rights to those players or would you keep that pick and find a, a young stud in a deep draft? Uh, it depends on who I'm getting. So, and I I know it would be tougher to match up salaries. So you're gonna have to include players. So, so am I attaching this draft pick with like Lowry in a sign and trade or other contracts? Uh, like, is there a player? What player do you have in mind? Do you think? I'll throw out a couple of you. Like, let's say you could do the Lonzo Ball scenario. Would you consider doing that? No. With, absolutely okay. Not, absolutely not. Good. I'm not. I'm not gonna fire you then. Um, so let me throw out another one. I threw this out to Salim and I'm curious what you think. If the Sacramento Kings call and say, Hey, look, we want to start a pretty large rebuild here. And we're willing to give you De'Aaron Fox. If you can give us the rights to, uh, whichever player you ended up picking and, you know, throw in a bunch of players to kind of match salary to make this work. Would that be something you would consider? Because it is filling a point guard need there, and it is a very productive player. Would you do it? Man, uh, <laughs> that's that's definitely a closer one. Uh, looking at what De'Aaron Fox did last season, 25-7, and seven, uh, still 23 years old. Uh, I believe he just signed a— uh, He's got a big contract. Yeah, so he, he's under contract for the next uh, five seasons, a pretty solid rate. Mm-hmm. Uh Man, I, I feel like if you do, I, I think the number three in marketing for Fox is a great deal. I don't, if Sacramento is offering that, then man, I, I would think, I would think that's a steal for a price. Mm-hmm. I, I guess my only downside is, man, you are locked into Fox, Levine, and Vooch for a little while. And Fox and Levine are going to make a ton of money going forward. So that's your backcourt. And then you just, long-term small forward power i i think i would 
I might lean towards passing only because I think I could get better value long term out of that rookie pick for four years. That's a tough one. That's why I asked because it's a guy that's younger. You could potentially match the timelines with Zach. Now, the only problem is can you find, I guess, a proven player? And that's something we can get into a little later. Like, that would be kind of building more hope. Can either Zach or Deer and Fox take that next step once they're in the playoffs? Can they be winning players? We don't know that yet. I'm kind of being a hypocrite too because I've frequently said on our show that I want adults in the room because I'm tired of all of this like draft pick, draft kit, you know, hope, hope, hope stuff and, you know, figuring out what young players need to do and if they need to be hugged and do they need a sandwich and things like that. So I'm kind of being a hypocrite here, but I I do think that if you have, if you can get a player like Suggs or Cunningham on a rookie deal, I think that meshes so well with how expensive Zach Levine is going to be and how much Booch costs are cost over the next uh, couple of years. So it, it gives you some value there, even though it does, you are going to be playing a player who is going to be learning on the fly. So it, it's tough. Like I, I love the Aaron Fox and I would love to do that deal, but it part of me is just like, I don't know if Fox and Levine is, is that what I want to lock my team into. And, I mean, some people hearing this might be like, of course, that's what you want to lock your team into. But I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So let me let me get to this scenario. Then if the magic keep the pick because it falls outside the top four, would you consider trading into the draft or back into the first round? And if so, who would you be willing to part with to do that? Oh, man. Uh, see, this one was tough for me because when we were talking to um to Corey's level of Hardwood Herald, uh, shout out to him. I'm doing a lot of shout outs, uh, but it's worth it. Uh, You're citing your sources. <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So when we were talking to him, I don't know, to me, I got the vibe that even though I think this is a, like, even though this is a strong draft, I'm not sure I would want to part with an asset to trade into like the later rounds or the later part of the first round or even the middle. Cause I'm not sure as a guy that, like I would really, really want, you know, or is a guy that is definitely like he's going to play from day one and he's going to be really good. I I couldn't really pinpoint that guy for me. Um, Like there's players I like, like I like Davion Mitchell, but he's going to go like in the lottery somehow. So I don't know how you would do that. And I, I don't know. I, I can't figure out how I would trade into it. Kobe White, his value has gone right now because of that right. injury. And after that, you I mean, who else do you have to move? And you, you don't really have your draft picks. Young and Sadoransky aren't going to get you a first rounder. Neither's uh, Troy Brown Jr. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but if I had an asset to move into the late first, I don't even know who I would pick. It would be tough. <laughs> and I'm not sure that the guys that I would want in the later part of the first round are more valuable than the guys I can get in – the earlier part of a second round with the um with the pick that we have there. I think the point you brought up there about Kobe White, that might have been the asset that you could flip to get into the first round, but to your point, that shoulder injury, um I mean, he's not going to be reevaluated until about the 4-month mark. We don't know if he'll be back in 4 months. So, uh, any team that would be interested, I think they would probably be taking a cautious approach. So, I'm I'm with you. That might be a tough one to pull off. So, let me let me get into this. After the draft, you're 
probably going to be setting the the course for your free agency period. And you got to take care of some of the things on the roster first or with your players that are on your roster first. So let me start with one, of course. We talked about him already, Laurie Markkinen, restricted free agent. We heard the real Arturis Karnaschovas mention in his end-of-the-season press conference that Laurie is certainly within the Bulls' plans. Uh, to me, that sounds like a massive smokescreen. I don't think he's actually really in the Bulls' plans. Uh, if you were Arturis Karnaschovas, would he be in your plans, or would you be looking to move on from him in some way? Depends on what plans are, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, if my plans are I would like to sign and trade him, then Lowry is definitely in my pan- uh, plans because then if another team wants him, then, yeah, you can have him. If you got a point guard, maybe I can you know, get in on something like that. So uh, he's in he's in my plans. It's just my plans are not to bring him back. It's my plans are to hopefully trade him for something. Let's say, though, and this is just my opinion. I think given the free agency class, a guy like Laurie Markkinen probably is still going to make money. He's 23. He's seven foot. He stretches the floor. And that's a guy that probably still in some people's eyes has a lot of upside given the age, given the situation he's been in. He had one year of probably solid coaching and it was this past season and it wasn't a full season. So there's probably a team foaming at the mouth to get somebody like that in their building. Um, So I think he's going to make money. I think he's going to get 18 to 20 a season. And I think that's a high price tag. Now, is there a price tag though for you, Edward, that you'd say, I'm, I'm comfortable bringing him back even if it's like a qualifying offer or $10 million contract, would you be willing to do that or no, still let him walk? His qualifying offer is like what? 10 is 10 million, right? I think so. Yeah. The, the qualifying offer isn't bad. I mean, a one year, 10 million deal, like that's what, a, a, that's like a million or so above the mid level. So it's, that's not bad. I think for really anybody that you're for like a decent NBA player, like that's not bad. Uh, so I, I, I I would be fine with the qualifying offer, but I don't really like I guess from a financial standpoint, I'm fine with the qualifying offer. But from a basketball standpoint, I don't know what Lowry's role really is, because if you're moving Patrick Williams to the four, you still have dad. And you maybe re-sign Tice. Um, I, I just don't know what marketing does it, it feel, and then you yeah. still have marco uh, samanovich that you can bring over too so that's another factor and he is he could basically give you like maybe 80 or 90 percent i feel like 78 mm-hmm. like long term he could give you a pretty decent lowry marketing impression the current version at least i'm not talking about february but he could give you <laughs> he, could give, he could give you a decent you know impersonation of that so uh like I said, I think the the qualifying offer is a solid deal on value, but I would even be tempted to say no on that just because I don't know where I play him. And then in terms of a long term contract, uh, I don't know. I I just don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why I asked because it is really it it's kind of complicated. And you brought up an interesting name with Simonovich because we're hearing. I feel like we're hearing more rumblings that. He might actually come over sooner than we think. And, I, I mean, I thought he was a stash guy for a few years, but it sounds like there could be a chance he might come over next season at, at the earliest. Yeah, and that's – if he comes over, then Lowry is – he goes from, like, being 98% gone to, like, 100% gone. He's 
because that's your that's your doppelganger right there. Yeah. Let me <laughs> let me bring up some of the other names because you you brought up two other pieces, Young and Tice. But before we get to them, Tomas Sadoransky. So he could be released to free up five million of his ten million dollar deal. So you would have a five million dollar cap hit if you release him, but you get $5 million back. What are you doing with him? Do, do you want to keep him as a depth piece? Do you want to look to trade him? Do you want to cut him to get some cap relief? What would you do if you were in the, the brain trust shoes? My mindset right now is still that we operate over the cap because it gives us more options. And I think you have to make so, even when you make so many moves in terms of renouncing guys and uh, waiving partially guaranteed deals, I feel like it doesn't get you far enough under the cap to 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 really be dangerous, I feel like. So uh, for me, Sadoransky is a guy that I would say I, I either keep him or I sign and trade him. And I would say keep because, again, we were just talking about Lowry on a one-year $10 million deal. Sadoransky on a one-year $10 million deal is fine, relatively speaking, because he's a guy that the team is not worse with him on the floor. He's not a scorer, but he. You know, he can run offense okay. He can hit a shot. He can play okay team defense. He can play one. He can play maybe two, three, depending on the lineup. I think he's I, I, he's not, like, dangerous, but he's a guy that I think you play solid basketball with overall. So, And granted, the team doesn't really have much at point guard right now. So one-year $10 million deal with Sadoransky, if that is the worst case where we're looking at Hey, maybe he's a fallback option in terms of, I mean, people may not like hearing it, but I would keep that. Yeah. And he's also, I think, a really big asset when we start talking about the potential free agent options. There's some intriguing names that are restricted. And if you wanted to, that's an interesting guy to kind of have to balance out some salary too. So he kind of has a, he's an asset there and you you could do worse than Tomas Sadoransky coming off the bench. Yeah, I agree. So to me, I, I don't see any case where I let him go because I think he is a he's a acceptable basketball player. He does things well that are valuable to the team, and he's not overpaid. So, I mean, all of that adds up, and yeah, I, I would keep him. And as you mentioned, his contract, if a team is interested in a sign-and-trade deal when they want someone who can be cheap and can kind of be like a bridge player for a year and maybe helps them more financially than overpaying a guy, then he suddenly has some value to that. So he's he's a good piece, I think, to have in more ways than one. Agreed. And there's somebody very similar to that, uh, Thaddeus Young. You brought him up. Now, he has a $14 million deal. You could do something similar. You can release him and, and free up about $8 million with a $6 million cap hit. Uh, he turned out to be a decent piece for you, especially earlier in the season. Do you want to keep him as a potential role player on a team that you're hoping to get into the playoffs? Or would you consider trying to move him in some type of trade for peanuts or another role player? And I said peanuts. I want that to be. <laughs> I, I think the same. I think the approach is the same is the same as Sadoransky here. I can't imagine a scenario unless we were getting a superstar where I'm getting rid of that young, uh, where I'm like waving his contract. Um he he's he was our second best player last season before Vooch got here, and he's been so versatile with his passing, uh, solid team defense, uh, leadership. 
he's really close with Zach Levine, which matters. So he's a Zach Levine guy. And, you know, their relationship, I think, matters in terms of making Zach Levine feel comfortable and, you know, building that rapport there. So uh, for me, one year deal for uh, Thad Young at the worst case, 14 million. Absolutely worth that this upcoming season. He was worth that last season. So um, I, I would take that. But if you can find a sign and trade that makes sense and you're getting back a, a really a pretty good point guard, yeah, I would do that. But I cannot imagine getting rid of him to open up cap space unless it's there's some crazy scenario where a superstar wants to sign here and we can we got to do everything possible to open up cap. Then all right, I'm I'm in. But let me throw another guy at you before we move on, and it's Daniel Tice, who really played a, a major role when he came over at the trade deadline and ended up filling minutes at the starting four spot. What are you doing with him? Because he's unrestricted. And like we said, this is a free agency class that's pretty thin. So a guy like Daniel Tice could end up getting a good chunk of money. He just earned $5 million this past season. Mid-level exceptions, 9 I have a sneaking suspicion he might get more than that. But, you know, I'm curious what you think. Do you consider bring him back if the price is right or do you move on i would love to bring tice back um he he was really really good for us last season and uh just looking at his numbers uh where's his per 36 from last season so in per 36 with the bulls he averaged 14 8 uh just under three assists he's a really quality uh backup center probably a luxury I think to have a guy as tight, uh, as good as Tice as your backup center, he could start on some teams and be a pretty solid center on a contender or a playoff team, I think. So uh, if the Bulls are operating above the cap, I would I, I would really think about offering him the um, the non-taxpayers MLE, which I think starts at what, like a little over nine million, I believe. So I, I would offer him that, but I like you, I think he can get more than that. I think he can get a deal starting at eleven million or so. Mm. What would be the cutoff for you? Like what's a dollar amount a per year dollar amount that you're like, I, I'm not doing that? Oof. I th- I I think anything over the the Bulls have the the Bulls have his bird right. So they can offer a little more, I believe, than the uh they can offer mm-hmm. more than the mid level exception. But I, I just don't know. You, you don't want to offer a long-term deal so you're not going to offer him like a three or four year deal unless you're talking deals that are or talking about years that are uh don't have like a guarantee on it so tice this like i said this one i struggled with the most because i like tice but figuring out his value and worth to the team in his role is really really tough it, financially so i right now i lean towards if he doesn't accept the uh mle then i'm kind of all right I can find a backup center. I can find value elsewhere and I can use that exception to fill a role that may make more of a difference. But Tice is definitely my uh, candidate for like, I feel like every off season, there's like that player, the Bulls fans are like, Oh, why didn't we keep him? Or why didn't we sign him? I think he's going to be that guy because he's, mm-hmm. he's just a quality role player. I agreed. And if, your plan was to keep Patrick Williams at the three. I think that's where you might might give Daniel Tice a little more because maybe he's the, the last man standing that you could plug back in as the starting four. You know, like that's kind of the only scenario I see where 
he might have that value. But when you're talking a, a, a vital bench player, like it's hard to put dollar amounts on those guys, but you, you do have to be smart. Like you don't want to get stuck in a scenario where you're paying him, I feel like 14, 15 million a year just because you have to beat somebody else out to get his services. I, I don't think that would be prudent for the Bulls. Correct. And you don't really want, like you said, you don't really want overpaid role players, even though Tice is really good as a backup center. But I, like to me, I think he is more of a luxury than anything. And he was a good piece to get in that trade. So if you can get him on a salary that makes sense for you and a contract that makes sense, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking a three-year deal with either a team option on the third or a non-guaranteed because that kind of lines up with Vuce's deal. And I think kind of at the MLE, I think that would be fine. But again, I think he is going to get more than that. I think he may get three guaranteed years. He may even get uh, four. But um, yeah, I'm thinking something along those lines. Like you want a contract like what Boston gave him in terms of not in terms of a number itself, but in terms of the value it gives you gives to a team where he's paid fairly, but not so much that you're overvaluing a role player. All right, so let's get into your plan of attack for how you're going to approach free agency. Are you looking at locking down long-term deals, or are you looking for shorter commitments or commitments with early opt-outs for future flexibility? I want shorter deals, in in my opinion. I only will I will only give a long-term deal to a difference maker or someone who has really high upside, and I believe that they can reach it during that deal. Hmm. So. Uh, if we're thinking, if we're looking at some players who are available, Kyle Lowry, I would not give him like a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I would give Kyle Lowry like a two-year deal with like a third year, not like non-guarantee or something like that. But I, I don't know if Kyle Lowry is going to want to come here, but that's what, that is that is somebody that I would look at though to play next to Zach Levine. I think he would be mm-hmm. a good fit uh, in the backcourt, can score, can pass, uh, good veteran, playing a lot of playoff games, championship experience. I like Kyle Lowry. I, I think he's someone that can give you like 60%. Like he can give you a good impersonation of, okay impersonation of what you would like to get from Chris Paul, like what you would like from Chris Paul, I think. Now, Kyle Lowry last year, he got like $30 million. So what do you think that price tag is going to look like? I mean, a lot of these guys that are a little older and still productive, they kind of make, at least somewhere in that ballpark of, of where their previous contract was. So what are you expecting for a guy like Kyle Lowry going into next season? How much money are we thinking? Man, he, he's going to have a lot of suitors, I think. I could see him looking at his contract from last year. Mm. He got about 30, I think 30500000 last year. I think twenty five is possible. Twenty five. I think he's going to take a little bit less than what he had last season especially if he's going to a contender but if he's going to just a playoff team i think he might want the same he might want 30 again so it it really depends on like we were talking about signing trade offers it it really depends on what we're using to do that like could we combine would toronto want salary back or is there a a three-team deal that works it's tough but lowry would be Mm -hmm. somebody that i would be interested in we could on like a two-year guarantee, third-year partial. So I find this really fascinating, Edward, because you're the first person, and we have, this is only the third episode we've done in this series, 
but you're the first one to be like, I'm going to take a swing at a pretty decent guy here, like somebody who's highly productive. You know, we've got a lot of the Lonzo Ball scenarios, looking at um, Devontae Graham. That's kind of been the, the wheelhouse most people are going into. You're like, fuck it. I'm going to I'm gonna make it worth my while. You're going right after Kyle Lowry? Swing big, man. <laughs> we, we, th- I, I look at it like this. Uh, we've already traded two first-round picks and a pretty good young player for Nikola Vucevic. And we're going to give Zach Levine the max, right? Why not? (laughs) I think, so here's the thing. If that was the move that AK and Mark Eversley pulled off, I actually think Bulls fans would be somewhat excited. Like, I, I don't think there'd be a lot of Bulls fans that would be upset. I mean, there might be a chunk that kind of look at his age, look at Vuce's age and, you know, I, I've seen some of those people within Bulls Nation that get kind of antsy about that. But again, you're adding more productive players. And the thing in this league, there's always the trade market that can rectify that issue down the road. That's just my philosophy. But yeah, I, like to me, I'm looking at it from a sense that the goal here is not to build. The goal here is not to to walk away this off season and think, okay, this team can win a championship because you're not doing that unless you add a top five or top 10 player to this team. Right. So, and the bulls haven't even made the playoffs. So right now you're thinking, okay, I need to, I need to add talent that can get me to the playoffs and put me in a position where maybe I can even buy more talent at the trade deadline to even maybe get a team that can be like home court advantage playoff team. Right. So Kyle Lowry is a guy who I think, is has that type of upside where you put him in this Bulls lineup with Lowry, Levine, and Vooch as your top three players. I think you have a solid trio there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not. It's obviously not a long term answer where you're saying, "Oh man, now we're going to build around these guys for the next five, six, seven years." Everyone likes those those long term dreamy scenarios, but I think you have to take steps, and there's levels to this. So Lowry is a guy that I would absolutely love to add, and he was in Toronto while. Uh, I believe he was in Toronto while uh, Eversley was there, right? I think there was overlap. Yeah, so there was some overlap. So there, there's a possible connection there. That, uh, between mm-hmm. them. So uh, I guess I, I think Kyle Lowry will be very solid. Veteran championship experience, plays in playoff games. Uh, just very solid point guard. For the sake of this game and for the sake of this episode, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that as your number one option. Kyle Lowry... At about $25 million a year, and let's say it happens because there is a swing of some type of sign-and-trade or three-way deal. Yeah, um, let's let's go with that. So okay. uh, I don't know how it gets done, well, <laughs> so we'll, let me preface we'll, that. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that the Laurie Markkinen sign-and-trade ends up involving Toronto in some way, and this is how all the magic is created, whether it's him going there, because that has been a team of interest, apparently. Let me, though, ask you, though, what would be the backup options for you? Throw, throw out some names for me. I mean, we know there's guys like Schroeder, Dinwiddie, potentially, if he opts out. Um, you know, Devontae Graham's restricted. Who are some names that you'd be interested in potentially adding at the point guard spot if, if Kyle Lowry doesn't work out? I, I like Lonzo Ball. It, it's tough, though, because I think he's going to get a lot of money, and it's going to be... Uh, like 23, 25, and I think he's going to get four years for sure. Mm. So it, it really depends on 
do you think Lonzo Ball can take another step in his development? And if he does, then he's worth that money. Um, and that's probably something where it, it seems like the Pelicans want more than just Lowry Markkinen in a deal for Lonzo Ball, so it would be even tougher. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I don't think I don't think we're going to get Lonzo Ball just because I think it's going to take assets that the Bulls don't have to get him. I think the backup plans for me, Goran Dragic is not a sexy pick, but I think he's would be one of the backup plans. Uh, again, another guy who's been in a lot of playoff games, a lot of experience, uh, good leader. Uh, Goran Dragic, I think, would be a, a solid backup plan. Uh, I'm not really a shooter guy. Uh, like I said, to me, it's... If I'm getting someone, I if I'm getting like a vet, I'm looking at guys I think who can sign two year deals with like maybe a third year partial guarantee, and I think Goran Dragic might be that type of player. Uh, so uh, I'll roll with Dragic as the backup. Okay. Then I'll say Lonzo. I'll say Lonzo Ball is. It, it's a tie between them, but I again I don't think that we can get Lonzo with just signing and trading Lowry Markkinen. <laughs> Okay. I think you have to include more. Yeah. So that all right. So then we'll say your your backup options are Dragic and Ball. Uh, do we want to include Devonte Graham on that list? Yes. So uh, Graham is another guy, and there may be some ammo there because uh, there's been like some rumors that Charlotte is interested in Porzingis. So marketing mm. is along the Porzingis spectrum. So uh, maybe you can sign and trade marketing for uh, Devonte Graham. So I- I'll say Devonte Graham. Oh God! I, same thing with Lonzo, where it's just like he's probably gonna get like a four-year deal, and he has to be worth it. So, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm rolling with uh, Dragic, and then I'm going with uh, Ball and Graham after. Gotcha. But we're gonna say the number one target though is is Kyle Lowry. So let's say Kyle Lowry is the the guy that you end up getting, and and you have to do some finagling to get that to happen. What would be some of the the, the other role players you would add you mentioned adding somebody who could be a 3 and d guy at small forward so do you have some names in mind or some people in mind that you might want to add to the roster also i mean again it might have to be a creative way to do it i would look at um the guy that i wrote down was alec burks so alec burks uh we saw what he did for the Knicks this season uh played off the bench uh had some had a pretty solid playoff game, uh, especially in game one. So uh, looking at what he did playing under Tibbs, I, I think he will be a guy that I will be interested in for uh, maybe the, uh, for the mid-level exception, I think. Maybe like a, again, number two-year deal, third-year partial. Nice. So let's say in that case, you've now used the MLE on Burks. Is there somebody that you might have to fill the Daniel Tice role with, or are you just saying, look, I, I got to take whatever I can get? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's a tough one because I, I think you can get away with playing that at center sometimes, depending mm-hmm. on um, who it is. Uh, looking at centers uh, for next offseason. It's a whole lot of myth. Yeah, Ed Davis is an is an option. Ed Davis, solid veteran, been in the league for a while. I think he's a solid backup point guard or not point guard or a center. Robin Lopez, we have familiarity with him. Could be very cheap, but probably will be on a contender. 
Uh, so looking at the list of centers, honestly, I think there's a I think there's going to be value here, uh, especially for very cheap, because there's a lot of guys here who they're not stellar, but they're guys that can produce and they're guys yeah. that, can you know, block some shots, get a few rebounds. And uh, so Tice is Tice would be great, but I'm not I, I don't have the incentive to overpay him because I don't think you want to overpay a backup center. All right. So now if you're rolling with that. Knowing that the playoffs is the goal, what do you think the ceiling is for the team you just constructed? Are you thinking playing range in that seven ten, or within the four to six seed range? I think this. I think it's a like a six seven playoff team. Yeah, I think that's a six seven playoff team. Uh, Which I mean, that's it, a big improvement given where the Bulls have been, and honestly, that to me is a a, a good sign. Yeah, uh, and even. <laughs> I'm not married to the Ed Davis idea, but let's just say like whoever uh it, let's just say I get a, a fine backup uh center for decent value. And I think again, I think there's going to be one here. Uh I like I like what I added there. I like that I got a shooting guard who can uh score a little bit and play some decent defense. I like that I get a point guard who is battle tested, a good leader, and who can immediately upgrade the point guard role even if he is on the older side but i think i got a good upgrade there um maybe even i can bring back a guy like temple or someone like that for cheap i think and then you you still have guys like troy brown jr i think off the bench too uh yeah i I like i like that team i think that team is a i think that team's like a six or seven seed got a good it could do some it could use some depth definitions uh, at the trade deadline, but yeah, I think that's a solid team. So we talked about the Zach Levine contract extension looming. If your team is under 500 at the deadline, kind of floating around that nine to 12 range that we saw the bulls at this past season, do you trade Zach and start the rebuild again? Or are you trying to make moves then to continue to add so you can cement yourself into the playoff picture after the deadline? This one was tough too, because Again, I think the Bulls are all in with Zach Levine. So if you struggle, you're not going to get much. And then Orlando has your draft pick in 2023, which is, again, it's top four protected. But it's it's tough because then you're going to have to convey probably in 2024. So there's things around that. Um, me personally, I'm still trying to do anything I can to get into the playoffs and trying to make use of this roster unless it just absolutely like it's just blowing so if it's like bottom five in the league then i i think you have some real uh questions to answer but at the end of the day i think it really just all revolves around the fact that zach levine is really really good and if you get rid of him what is your path to you're basically tanking for foreseeable future like you don't really have a a path to to do much if you get rid of zach levine so you're kind of you're kind of back to where you were. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, I, I think coming into the season, when Karnaschovas and Eversley were hired, I think it was a legit question to kind of ask, like, how do they see Zach Levine? And I think you kind of hinted at this earlier. The moves they made at the deadline, I think, pretty much told you how they feel, that they, they believe in him. So it would make a lot of sense to see them make every effort they can to really boost this team into the playoff picture, you know, just for that reason alone. And if it got to that point at the deadline, I, I, I agree. I think you'd be trying to scramble to make some moves work. I don't think that drama is here or anything that could derail the team where they're 
as bad as bottom five. I, I couldn't see that. It would be really hard to believe. There, there'd have to be a lot of injuries, in my opinion, for that to happen. Yeah, and the other thing I think about, too, is that Phoenix with Devin Booker, they haven't moved him when they've been bad. <laughs> like, they haven't moved him. Granted, he hasn't been on a max deal, but they've been rolling with him. And yeah. now look at them. So Zach Levine is in his prime. I just don't know what you're going to do better. Like he's turned, he, he's 26 now. So if you did trade him next, if you did trade him next season, he would still be like still relatively young. So I, yeah, I, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to find that's better than building around Zach Levine for the next building with, or just around Zach Levine as a core piece in the next four or five years. I, I just can't think of it. You brought up earlier that, you know, Zach is probably, very likely because of the amount of money he can make to come back to the Bulls on that max contract. So if it's the scenario you're talking about where you're in that like range of six, seven seed, there's probably not a lot of selling you would have to do to get him to sign on the dotted line. But what are you telling Zach is going to be your plan to make this team desirable in the 2022 off season? Uh, so this is tough because if you're adding money this season, then 2022 is going to be tougher to be really appealing to like a star player, at least in terms of the idea of just signing them outright in free agency, right? So I, I think if you are, if you have a Bulls team that is playoff bound, is six or seven seed, let's say they put up a pretty good fight in the first round and they lose. I think you sell Zach Levine to, hey, look, we're heading in the right direction. We're on the upswing. We just made the playoffs. Uh, we still have Vooch here. We still have uh, Kyle Lowry here. And I think we can continue to add players and we can probably be appealing to a star. Not really, not necessarily in 2022. We can try, but in 2023, when Vooch comes off and Kyle Lowry comes off too, if we have him on a partial guarantee, then I think we have the deck to get you a star while you're still in your prime. And by that time, Patrick Williams, hopefully he has blossomed too. I think there's a route there to still be really, really good. I want to bring up Vucevic too, because Vucevic to me, and I brought this up in the last couple episodes, I think Vucevic is always going to be an offensively productive player, even when he gets older. Just because you look around the league, there's not a lot of centers that are his size with his offensive ability and I think he'll always be at a level of high production maybe not all-star caliber but certainly good and at this point if we're looking at the 2022 offseason he'll be 31 going on 32 and he has a de-escalating contract it's something that a lot of people don't talk enough about it goes down each of these next couple years so he's going to be owed 22 million entering the 2023 season. So in that off season, if maybe there is a star in your sights, do you consider potentially moving him to free up cap space? And you'd have to maybe move some other players, but would you consider moving him? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if there's a chance, if, for example, if, I mean, for some reason, Kevin Durant is knocking on your door saying, hey, I want to come to Chicago. You do everything you possibly can to make sure uh, Kevin Durant wants to play with, can play with Zach Levine. So if that includes getting rid of Vooch, that's just what you have to do. So, yeah, I would absolutely uh, look at moving him. 
So yeah, that that will be uh, an easy decision for me. Uh, one thing that one thing that I'll bring up is that uh, when I'm looking at you mentioned 2022, uh, Harden, Durant, Kyrie Irving are three players that can be a part of that class, and they all have uh, early termination options. So. Mm-hmm. They could, while 2022 is possible, they could also delay correct 2023. And 2023 would then have a lot of, that would become the new 2022, and it would have a lot of talent. And in addition to uh, guys like that, you would also have players like Nikola Jokic, uh, Joel Embiid, there will be a lot of talent there. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think you have to keep your eyes on both of those years. And 2022 is tougher because you're adding salary now. Yeah. But 2023, I think, is uh, within reach because at that point, you could really just have Zach Levine as your only significant deal. And then you have everything else where you can add, fill it in. True. And, and to your point, you know, you look at that free agent class, you, you brought up uh, Harden, Durant, and uh, Irving all having player options. You can add Russell Westbrook to that group, John Wall to that group who have player options. Jimmy Butler has a player option. Um, in this case, the only appealing name that hits the market without any option tied to him is Kawhi Leonard becomes an unrestricted free agent and we're assuming he doesn't sign an extension that's an interesting approach there so are you saying you would probably for the most part in the 2022 offseason keep your powder dry and just kind of add some supplementary pieces and wait until 2023 to get all these guys in unrestricted free agency I think 20 so I'll say this I think that if a guy, if a star wants to come to Chicago in 2022, then I think you absolutely need to do everything possible to clear the cap to sign them. Uh, it's going to be tough, though, because you're spending money in 2021. And I don't think that Young and uh, Sadoransky clearing them is going to get you below the cap significantly because yeah. most of the money would be tied in my scenario. Most of my money would be tied up between uh, Zach Levine, Max and Gim, Vooch on his last, on the last year, his deal and the 25 million that I gave Kyle Lowry. Yeah. And so you're kind of, you're kind of up, up against all of that. 2023. That's when you potentially have that clear deck to work with. I like the idea though of, being a little bit more flexible for that next off season when everybody's unrestricted. I mean, is there any name that would intrigue you that is a little more realistic that might be good role player or a couple role players that you might add at a decent price in that off season? In 2022? Yeah. I mean, looking at 2022, Beverly is kind of older, but would be interesting. Uh, Covington is... A decent guy. I don't know how much money he's going to want. Uh, I mean, I like the idea of Covington. I, I don't know how much it would cost. I mean, you're just, you really just have like a, the MLE, I feel like. Uh, yeah, this one is tougher. Again, tougher because you just don't have 
the money unless you can figure out like a sign and trade. But I mean, 2022 looks like a pretty, it looks like a better class on paper than uh, right. 21 does for sure. But uh, yeah, just looking, just scrolling to it. Uh, Robert Covington is somebody that is really interesting. Joe Ingles is another player that's really interesting. Those would be guys that I would like. I'll throw another thing at you. And it's something that I've brought up with, with Salim too. Another option, this always seems to happen in the NBA, is the trade market usually starts hopping because there's a player or two that's disgruntled. What if a player like Carl Anthony Towns starts looking around saying, you know what, I'm not winning here in Minnesota. I'm young. I'm still on a a pretty decent contract. I want to go somewhere. And I'm looking down there at Chicago. They got a nice thing going on. My friend Zach is there. How do you think you could swing that? Would you be interested in swinging a deal like that, given his age and productivity? I would love to get Towns. Uh, the draft picks are going to be that because that's yeah. always what a team wants. They want draft picks. So that's going to be the tough part doing. Uh, but theoretically, and we're looking at Towns' uh, contract. I believe Towns at that point might have like two years left. Yes. Yeah, so he's under contract through the end of 2024. Mm-hmm. So if you convey, if all of your, let's say all of your draft pick obligations to Orlando were done uh, after that summer, then you can trade picks uh, starting in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would trade everything I could to get to Carl Anthony Towns, man. Yeah. He's amazing. He, yeah, he's one of the best uh, big men in the game. He can play inside out. Uh, not the greatest defender, but I don't think he completely sucks there either. But he's a really, really good big, and he is put a potential Hall of Famer type of player. Yeah. So he, I would I would trade uh, anything I could to get him. And think about like this. I'll go back to the Vooch scenario. That's where Vooch is very intriguing. Because let's say it is the the 2022 offseason. Vooch has a year left on his contract. Yeah, he's 32, but it's a de-escalating deal. It makes a trade work. I mean, you you could make that deal happen, especially, and this happens a lot in the NBA. If a player wants to go somewhere, they can move hell or high water to make it happen. We've seen it happen a lot in this league. Yeah, and like you said earlier, Carl Anthony Towns and Zach Levine are really, really close. And I think that's a, the type of relationship that you could potentially that could potentially parlay you into that sweepstakes. Uh, the tougher part is if there are teams that are more equipped that have more draft picks to make a deal happen to be interesting to Minnesota. But in in terms of what the Bulls would offer, yeah, absolutely, they have to offer everything because Towns is a difference maker. You pair him next to Zach Levine, you have an elite shooting guard, an elite center. And it's like you have a younger version of Levine and Vooch, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> And I know people probably would be like a little terrified at the idea of giving up a lot of future draft capital, but I would point this out. In today's league, if you have talent, and you know what? Your your co-host brought this up, Salim. I know I've, I've cited him a lot. I've given him a lot of shout outs tonight. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he, one thing that he says is right. When you have talented players, it doesn't really matter. Like You can always hit the reset button and recoup assets because you have talented players like at that point zach carl anthony towns are still young they're still productive knock on wood barring anything happens you could 
spin one of those assets down the road if you need to to free up cap space or to recoup or to have a soft reset. It's it's a little different, you know, than I think a full blown tank job. I don't think you'd have to go that far, but I, I don't know. Like to me, it's this is where having an aggressive front office that knows how to navigate the trade waters could help you because to me that's how a lot of teams build title contenders these days or even playoff contenders these days it's through the trade market and that's one of the things that i like about what carnage was in uh in denver because denver was not reliable on just one route to improve their team if you look back at john paxson and gar foreman they were their things were the draft and free agency they rarely swung trades to improve talent really the only trades you could think of where they made it where it was to improve basketball talent was the Otto porter deal and the john salmons and brad miller deal but people forget that that trade was not specifically it, it it improved the team but it was icing on the cake because that deal was mainly about contracts first to set them up for 2010 they just didn't expect John Salmons and Brad Miller to play out of their minds and boost that Bulls team in, uh, I believe it was Derrick Rose's rookie year, to the playoffs. Yep, 2009. Yes. So uh, those were the only two deals in terms of proven players in 17 years of uh, Paxson and Foreman leading the team where they acquired talent through trade to improve the team. Denver utilized the draft they utilized trade they utilized free agency they utilized g league they utilized a lot of different avenues to improve their team and i compare it also to utah you look at utah and what they did they got their two best players from draft trades they got mike conley through a trade they signed uh bogdanovich in free agency they got Joe Ingles off the waiver wire when the Clippers waived him. Clarkson was a trade. And Royce O'Neal was just a flat-out draft pick. So you look at all the ways they utilized to create this team that had one of the best records in the league. That's how you want to build things. And mm-hmm. if you and if you have a general manager, and I think Karnishevis is that guy because he has already shown that he can use the trade deadline to upgrade talent. I know a lot of people look at that trade and say ah i wish we didn't give up those draft picks and and stuff like that but i i see it as encouraging because they were bold enough to say all right look we want to improve the team draft picks trading those that's nothing we can do that we can figure that out later if we want to move into the draft later hey we'll we'll figure that out but we have to show that we can improve this team in multiple ways so everything's still coming together but i like what we saw from Carnage in Denver, which indicates that they are going to be willing to improve the team in many different avenues. I, well, and I, I agree with you on that. And it was very telling. I think when the Bulls got into the top four this past draft lottery, Carnage uh, basically said, hey, look, this is the highest I've ever picked. And I don't really ever want to be here again. So in his mind, he thinks he could probably find talent just about anywhere. And I think it'll be interesting if like, I'll say this, if if Simonovich or uh, I, I always botch his name, if he comes over 
and you see that he's a productive role player, I think that's going to tell you a lot about how Karnaschovas and this whole staff scout. You know, I'm not saying he has to be a superstar. He doesn't have to be Jokic 2.0. I love that. But, you know, if he's like a a more productive, I know this probably would drive Bulls fans nuts, but uh, like if he was like Nikola Miritic, but slightly better, I mean, still something. That's pretty productive for a second round pick. (laughs) That would be offensive. Nico was, you forget, Nico was, he's, he wasn't a great player, and of course, some fans trick themselves on thinking, "Oh my God, he's the next Dirk." Because you know, yeah, could, you know, and that's always the trap for anyone who's tall and played internationally. Nico was on a solid contract. He was a good player for the Bulls during his time here. Yes, he messed up the tank job uh, in his last season with the Bulls. Yes. But if yeah, if Samanovic is like eighty percent of what Nico is, or seventy. Yeah, I'm taking that. <laughs> he was a, right. a second-round pick. <laughs> well, and and that would tell you a lot about how they scout. And, you know, if that's the case, then I have faith in that. Because, to your point, it then comes down to what kind of productive role players that you need off the bench. And we saw, you know, after this past year, you do need productivity at the end of the bench. If you find those through routes like the G League and through second-round picks— it's valuable. Edward, thank you for coming on. Where can people find Bulls Gold? Where can they find your thoughts on Twitter? First off, man, thank you so much. Love doing this. Like I said, I still got to catch up to Salim to do uh, six or seven. But yeah, this is fantastic. Always love what you're doing on our Rebuildable, man. And uh, if you want to listen to me and all my random thoughts, whether it's basketball, hip hop, or just life, man, uh, you can follow me at Edward Schuler Jr., uh, so you can also follow Bulls Gold. I would encourage you to follow Bulls Gold more. Uh, that's where me and Salim will be posting our thoughts. We'll also be posting uh, the latest Bulls Gold uh, episodes. So follow us there. And yeah, just uh, I always like doing this because the Bulls community, we have a lot of voices. We have a lot of people who are passionate about this team through thick and thin a lot of bad times over the last three or four years man but this bulls community continues to pump out content and they continue to support one another and it's always really dope so uh when this team actually starts to win like imagine things like this are just going to be even like that much more fun to do like the fact that we do this now and we're not even in the playoffs and like the last three or four years we've been like tanking just imagine what we'll do when the bulls We'll get back into like the top four or five of the Eastern Conference, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, uh, follow Bulls Gold, man, at Bulls Gold on Twitter. Uh, check us out on wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we're always, uh, we're always having some really fun interviews, always having a lot of really good basketball discussion, just like uh, what Matt is doing here. So, yeah, man, that's where you can follow us. I, what you said is 100% true, I think, especially within the content creators group of Bulls Nation. It's a very collaborative group. It's not that competitive. It's very collaborative, and that's an awesome thing to see. And I, like you, I can't wait to see what it's like when they're actually winning because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm still hopeful. So, again, Edward, thanks for coming on, and we'll be sure to have you on more often so you can catch the link. Yeah, let's do it, man. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. 
or wherever else you stream your podcasts.